With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast, the final regular season True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is with me, our Dodgers baseball expert. Oh, let's not go crazy. Um, hello. Um, it actually, like until you said that, honestly, I know it's the last week of the season, but for some reason it didn't really hit me. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, by the way, regular season's over. Like, no. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, uh, we're put in this preparing precarious position we've been put in a few seasons before not last season Dodgers had things wrapped up pretty easily last season where we can't really talk about like guessing postseason stuff like the rosters and kind of the nitty-gritty of that next week because we were going to be recording um I think during one of the wild card games so rosters are either going to be published or close to figured out but we the Dodgers aren't also you know in the playoffs yet so right. <laughs> um I have always fought for uh being wishy-washy and uh, on the the caution of not jinxing things but you've won you've won the day this this week and we are going to talk about potential Dodger playoff rosters having knocked on all all sorts of wood prior to prior to recording this. And yeah and it's also like I I don't I you know again we're we're not ones to um 
you know, disseminate any live baseball action as it's happening because that'd be against the law. But like, uh, as we're recording, there it, there's a, like a semi reasonable chance that the Dodgers could be only up a half a game in the division by by this. So like by the time we're talking about this, but hey, you know, you got you got uh, prepare for whatever. So that's what we're going to talk through. Um, but yeah, so let, let's let's, uh, let's face let's it. If it. if you know bad things happen and the Dodgers aren't playing in the postseason, what else are we going to talk about? Ain't, ain't nothing well, else, so we might as well. We could we can play the game of if they had made it, this is what we think they would have done. Well, so. that's right, and then yeah, and like uh, Dustin Osler, for instance, he wrote, we'll talk we'll talk about this later, but he wrote an article today about you know should uh, Julio Urias be um, you know potentially on the playoff roster, and it's like you know yeah, you're it's just something to think about. Does it people who are like super into jinxes like whatever like get over it, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a uh, it was uh, an eventful week. I know last week um, we recorded a day early, and so when we recorded, um, it was only the first game of that series with the Rockies, and the Dodgers ended up sweeping uh, that series, which was huge because it sort of it gave them a little bit of a cushion, and the Rockies have tried to like whittle away that cushion ever since because they they haven't lost since playing the Dodgers, so it's been kind of a weird week. Yeah, the. I, you know, checking in with Rockies fans and just general, you know, punditry. The Dodgers, excuse me, the Rockies looked like a team defeated after that sweep at the hand of the Dodgers. Just a team ready to say, well, not our year. That sucks. Let's move on. And since then, they've won by a, something like 102 to 6, I think, in the, the five I games think, they've played since. I think those... Um... Those are accurate numbers. Yeah. So I, I agree. Uh, no, yeah, it's weird. Like, um, I don't, I don't think they look defeated. It was, it was like clearly something where, look, the it's, last that is certainly I mean, the fan yeah. what the fans looked like. So, which uh, is not fair I mean, to put that on the team. Yeah, I guess. I, I think still the fact that, like, the fact that every the we're still in this final week. There's only one NL team that's clinched a playoff spot, and that's the Braves. Uh, they they won the NL East, so the um, and there's there's only one team left to get eliminated. We don't know who that's going to be yet, but I think the fact that the Rockies were still like in the hunt for at least a wild card spot, like still had gave them a lot of like hope. Um, and then they're they're in the at the moment they are in wild card position and could like we said could be only a half game back of the Dodgers, but we'll see. But like this is going to go down to the wire. Like I wrote something uh, this week for SB Nation about just like explaining how how a potential like four team tiebreaker would work and there's still like an outside possibility of a five team tiebreaker which would be absolute chaos but <laughs> but like a, a four team tiebreaker is nuts because it it always involves like extra games and it's usually on that monday but if you have like more than two teams you have to have like at least two days worth of games and um the NL wildcard game is scheduled for tuesday which is the second day after the season so that would immediately if it's more than two teams it would have to be moved to Wednesday, and then, like, if it is, and then MLB doesn't officially have a five-team um, uh, scenario, so like they would have to like devise something. And there's really, in this case, if there's like a five-team tie, um, none of the division or the, the NL Central and the NL West wouldn't be decided. So like the Monday would be like so, sort of sorting out the division, but it could be, it would be three teams in the Central. I, it's very unlikely at this point, but it's it's just. There could be a lot of chaos like before the wild card games next week. So this is weird. Like, um, you know, I don't. We always like I always sort of root for chaos in this, but and it, it almost never pans out. Like, there's never been more than just a, 
a two-team tie um, at the end of a season. So uh, it might be wishful thinking, but like it's certainly possible given how sort of bunched up they are in groups right now. So right now the Dodgers have two magic numbers, right? Yeah, so um, uh, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, the Rockies already won tonight, so the Dodgers' magic number as we speak for the division is still five, um, and it's uh, four for a wildcard spot because the Cardinals lost to the Brewers twice, um, and in doing so, dropped below the Rockies uh, into like third for the wildcard, but also uh, you know back of the Dodgers. So the Dodgers also have a fallback. Um, potentially like who knows but like you know it's they're all so much close together but they're still basically what it means is nothing is going to be decided from the Dodgers standpoint until uh they're in San Francisco this weekend so either through their efforts or through the Rockies who are going to be home they're playing the national they're playing the Phillies now they're playing the Nationals this weekend so it nothing gets decided until basically this weekend and that, that's that's sort of what this all means right now you mentioned it was a potential uh five teams total in the NL and two in the uh, National League. We talked last week on the absolute dire straits the Diamondbacks were in, but still with a little bit of hope, which that hope got extinguished uh, thanks to the hand of said, you know, super hitting Rockies all of a sudden. Right. So uh, the part, that first part of the post-Dodger um, series win streak for the Rockies came at the hands of the Diamondbacks. In Arizona, they swept them. And it was like, um, uh, it just ended like a hellacious run for the Diamondbacks. They, uh, this was, they were eliminated on the Sunday before this Dodgers series. So the Diamondbacks who were, they, uh, they were technically in first place, but it, in, for more days than any other team in the National League this season, it was something like, I think it was 125, something like that. Like, uh, and John Weisman, I think, tweeted something that was like, just poetically, like sort of perfect. They said, Diamondbacks were in first place on April 1st, May 1st, June 1st, July 1st, and August 1st and September 1st, and now they're eliminated. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, um, and with a week to go, like, so their their September, I wrote a little bit about this too for SB Nation, um, they, they lost, okay, so counting the Monday game with the Dodgers, they lost 18 out of the, their last 23 games. So, like, they just completely went in the tank. But also, they, they, it was like a really this really bad combination of a lot of things like their offense, which has been sort of mediocre all season, like it just went uh, even worse. Um, they're like averaging something like three and a, or less than three and a half runs a game. Um, their bullpen, which was like, I think they had the second best ERA in the majors before September, uh, was like 307. And then in September, it's like over six. So, um, and just really bad. And so, and then also they played like a really brutal schedule. Like in, in addition to the, you know, the Rockies and the Dodgers, um, who at varying times have been in first place, the um, D-backs also played uh, the Cubs, the Braves, and the Astros. They had an interleague series still left. So they actually set, or they tied a major league record. They played, they played a team in first place for 14 straight games. And then they were like, and and then they were four and ten in those games. So like, and then when then they swept when they got swept by the Rockies, the Rockies were in second place when they played them. But it's, they're basically playing like t teams at the top like for the whole month, and they just got completely decimated by them. So it's been crazy. Um, so that sort of it all came to a head, and that's that's why they're um, they're going home at this point. So just uh, and we'll talk a little bit about 
the playoffs a little bit later in the episode, but we've got three teams in the central, two teams in the west, all all up for grabs. And it's uh, as you men- alluded to, there may or may not be a game going on right now, which is makes it really hard to move on to any news not related to you know what's going to happen next week for the Dodgers. We'll be playing. Uh, one game series, a three game, or excuse me, a five game series, or or, or none at all. But uh, uh, some some good news, not not as uh, critical to the playoff chances, came out in uh, Jaime Harin. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. And just, of honor. Right, and before just one quick thing again on the, the tiebreakers the, from the Dodgers' perspective, the main issue is here is with the Rockies. Like they could end up tied um and if if that happens a one game playoff for the division would be at Dodger Stadium on Monday so uh you know uh independent of the other stuff like um it would be that that's sort of the the one thing to probably pay attention to um i don't know if it's likely or whatever but if if they end up tied the the playoff for the division would be Monday and it's in LA since and the Dodgers he... uh, won the season series with them and then, regardless, if the lose, if the Cardinals were the odd team out, let's say, and the Brewers were the top wild card team, the wild card game would be the following day, correct? Yeah, if there was no shenanigans like right. for the wild card, like, <laughs> like so, let's say there's a possibility, and like if it's Dodgers Rockies for the division with no fallback, that's like a, a true playoff game because you could be like, um, uh, you know, there could be a scenario where. The loser plays like another like if there's a three team tie. Let's say it's um, Dodgers, Rockies, Cardinals. Then it would be Dodgers, uh, Rockies Monday for the division, and then loser plays the Cardinals Tuesday for the wild the other wild card. So it could get nuts. Like and so, and then that's that, not that's, and that's not including the fact that if that scenario is laid out, Sunday would essentially be a playoff game against the Giants, right? <laughs> Where the, if they win, they don't have to do any of that nonsense. So you could have three days in a row of crazy baseball. Possibly. And then if you extend it out even further, let, let's say, <laughs> it, whether it's the Dodgers or the Rockies um, or one of the central teams, you could have a scenario where a team plays five different opponents uh, uh, for five straight days, including the NLDS. Like um, you go Sunday, you have a division playoff game Monday, you have a, a play to get into the wild card Tuesday, the wild card game Wednesday, and then NLDS Thursday. <laughs> so it could be like a five, uh, a five, depending on the team, it could be five games in five different cities against five different teams, which would be insane and awesome. But um, that's that's sort of the dream chaotic scenario, and I have no idea how anyone would be able to get through that. <laughs> so, you ready to talk about Jaime Herring? Absolutely. So he uh, he got way his less new... stressful, way more joyful news. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, man, the, and the Dodgers sort of like um, had a like a busy end of the week last week with that. Um, just uh, we'll talk about the other thing too. But yeah, Jaime Herrin, he's in his 60th year. Um, they um, they gave him a, a sort of a I don't know what you call that. Is it a plaque? It's not a plaque. It's thing that's affixed to the base of the Lowe's section at Dodger Stadium down the line near the foul pole. Plaque works. That's where all the retired numbers are. Yeah. Mm. And so, like, and Vin has a microphone at the end, and they put Jaime's next to him, like, after Don Don Prysdale's 53. So he got that nice ceremony. Vince Coley was there for it. But, yeah, 60 years um, with the Dodgers. It was a great uh, tribute. Um, Fernando Valenzuela spoke. Vince Coley spoke. Um Oh, and Pepe Iniguez spoke as well. But then there was like some video tributes throughout the night. Uh, Adrian Beltre uh, chimed in. Uh, there were some others. Actually, the the 
the more touching one was crazy. It was uh, Matt Hurgis of all people. Um, and it was like super touching. He said, "You, I, I forgot his, his closing line was something like, you make me want to be a better person. <laughs> and I just like, oh man, I was, it was almost tearing up with that. It was great. But, uh, and then the sort of the coolest part to me, because I, I uh, every, uh, Jaime Harin like came back up to the booth when he was done. And um, I thought like he was going to call the game. And then I saw they panned to him later and he's like in a suite. Uh, so I'm like, oh, he got the night off. That's even cooler. Like He just got to relax and on his <laughs> night. But then, and then the other news, like within, it happened within a day or two of that was Jaime Harin extended his contract for two more years. So he started in 1959. It's like, you know, it's crazy that that's like not the longest streak in team history for an announcer. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> but like, um, you know, Vin was 67 years and now, um, Harin's going to be 62, uh, uh, 62 years through 2020. So good for him. Uh, he's really good. I, um, it took three years of Spanish in high school. I don't, I forgot a lot of it, but like, and I don't listen to Jaime as often as I should. It, I mean, uh, you know, just from, uh, he, he calls like a pretty like uh, good, like a good game. And it's like, you know, even if you don't understand it, there are certain things, context clues from baseball and stuff that you could get. And it's, it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like a good sort of rhythmic call. And I, I really enjoy it, but he's, he's great. So good for Jaime. On honoring past greats. Th- this is actually news to me. I, I missed this um, over the weekend, but something called legends of Dodger baseball. And I bet I bet you know way more about it than I do. So and to show you how like it was sort of under the radar because you had the Jaime Harines, um ceremony, you had him extending his contract, and then also which I didn't put in our show notes, and I just want to shoehorn in here, Billy Jean King and Ileana Kloss oh, yeah. uh, are new like part of the ownership group now. It's like oh like like tennis hall of famer and philanthropist and stuff. Um, so that that was Friday as well. So there was a lot of stuff going on, but. Basically, what this thing is, is like, um, it's a way to honor, like, uh, Dodger greats who didn't, who aren't in the Hall of Fame, basically. Because the, the, I don't know if it's an, it's an official policy, but it is, like, that the Dodgers don't retire a number unless the player's in the Hall of Fame. Jim Gilliam was the exception, but he also had, um, like, he was like Walter O'Malley's favorite player. Uh, he was with the team from Brooklyn into L.A. He was there with him as a coach after he, his playing days, and he died suddenly, like, uh, before the 1978 World Series. So it's a little bit of a special circumstance there, but he's the only non-Hall of Famer to have his number retired. So this the inaugural class, which they announced, and they introduced them on the field on Sunday, was uh, Don Newcomb, uh, Steve Garvey, and Fernando Valenzuela. So what they're going to have, I don't think they have a – I don't. They haven't like officially unveiled what's going to happen. They're going to get a plaque somewhere. It's going to be like uh, they're basically planning to have like a Dodger sort of museum of sorts um, up and ready by the 2020 All Star Game. So it might be up next year. It might whatever. But they're going to get some sort of like permanent fixture that recognizes them as a legend of Dodger baseball. And so this, like for me, I've always sort of um, thought it was ridiculous that Fernando. Uh, Valenzuela didn't get his number retired because they basically retired his number like by choice. No, no one's worn 34 since he uh, left the team in 1990. And like they basically retired the number without giving him the honor of it. So that's kind of messed up, you know, like either retire it or let someone wear it like, uh, you know, whatever. But this is a way to sort of honor him uh, to get around that. So that's good because they deserve 
to be um, honored. And then, um, so uh, it sort of solves that, in, in my opinion, especially if they um, if the museum sort of grows and becomes like a like an interactive thing or places that people can visit, even in the off season. That'd be cool, and I think it'd be really neat. So my question to you is: Do you have any players? Um, because there's going to be future classes of this. Do you think I, I have a few? But do you have any players that you would want to see as a legend of Dodger baseball, who say not a Hall of Famer or whatever? Yeah, I've, it, it. What's interesting is one of the silver linings that came with the Dodgers having such a strict number retirement system is like you didn't have to have these sort of debates. <laughs> so right. now, now that there's this lower level, you're like, well, so names that come like. Deo Nomo, so my favorite player, uh, and and uh, line breaker in a, a lot of different ways uh, uh, comes to mind. But was he good enough? Probably, probably not. I guess. Uh, yeah. Mike Piazza comes to mind as a way to finally well, mend that fence. Well, I think with him, they have to retire his number at some point. I think there's a feud going on between him and yeah, the organization, right. and that needs to get solved. But he he's he's ultimately a number retired. For me, and if it's not, something's wrong. You, well, but, but uh, I mean, but, you know, he went in as a Met, so I, th- you, I think you could make the make the argument, right? You could. Yeah, like, did he I spend enough time as a Dodger to retire the number? I like, I, I think, I think one could make that argument, and I, I might make that argument, despite the fact that my heart broke, you know, when he was traded. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. But like, but he should be honored think, in some way. That that I that I'm pretty adamant about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but man, it would be really disappointing if it's just this and yeah. not uh, <laughs> not his number of time. But anyway, like, so I have uh, some ideas. I think, well, uh, so a couple who are pretty obvious to me are like, um, it, this is going to sound a little cold, but like Gil Hodges and Willie Davis, like, um, but like, this uh, this is going to sound really bad the way it comes out, but they're both pa- they both passed away. So the immediacy is not there. Like you don't have to like let's make sure we get this person before they honor them, you know, before they pass away or whatever. But um, they they deserve to be honored, and if they do it, the sooner the better. That's fine. But like in terms of like I think um, players who have to sort of be in, I think Maury Wills is one of those. Um, and he's probably, I think he's like the oldest one on the list. Maybe, uh, maybe Carl Erskine even. I was looking up and like, you know, he was with the Dodgers for a decade and he was on the boys of summer. He's one of their best pitchers, but, uh, I don't know if you have to have him in like super early, but that said, if you want to get him in and honor him, he's like, he's in his nineties. And, um, not that that's like the main thing of it, but you know, that's someone I'd consider, but then you, the, the guys for sure, I think they need to be in besides those guys are like, they have Garvey in and I think. You almost have to have the entire infield in. Say like, <laughs> yeah. if you lead, let one in, but not the other, <laughs> or not the other. Garvey was like the biggest star. You could argue say was might have been better, uh, you know, on a certain level. But I, I, I mean, whatever, that's fine. But like I say, yeah, say Lopes Russell all in. Then like Pedro Guerrero was like their best hitter for a decade almost. Uh, Mike Sosha was a catcher for a dozen years. Um, so, like, those are the ones that, like, immediately came to mind. I'm sure that Eric Karros is the friend, the L.A.'s all-time home run leader. He'll be, he's got to be in, I think. Yeah, the, the Eric Karros seems like the perfect person for this. Yeah. I think, yeah, so it's going to be cool. I, I think it's neat. It's a good way to honor players, get people 
interested in the history of the Dodgers and anything like that, I, I'm all for. So uh, I'm fully in favor of it. I'm excited to see what they do with it. And I think it, it should be fun. They had a pop-up museum um, at the stadium last in the offseason, and it was pretty neat. Um, it was interactive. They had a lot of um, displays up, and they had videos that would play as you go in. If it's something like that, that's cool. But, uh, you know, potential to possibly be more. Nomo for Legends. I'll start the campaign. I love it. Still needing my bobblehead. So let's go back to guessing some postseason rosters. Right. So I, let's. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just oh, gonna no. say we're doing this while the Dodgers are about to drop to half a game. Well, yeah, if, yeah, they got an they got an inning. So if uh, yeah, the, take this with all caveats, we're we're planning ahead because you can't. It's like you can't just go to the bullpen. You have to warm up a pitcher before you go in the bullpen. So we're we're planning ahead. Yeah. <laughs> in the event that this might be used. So that said, you know, division not not certainly guaranteed by any means, and it's not the only way the Dodgers could get in. They could get in a wild card game. It, like it, we mentioned, this crazy tiebreaker scenario earlier. Any of those games, like before the actual playoffs, are considered regular season games. So you have the full like forty man September rosters. And For some the, reason, the, I did not know that. It, it makes sense, but it's also yeah. a forty man roster, <laughs> right? And and all the stats count for the regular season. So like, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's going to affect any Dodgers. But like, um, in terms of like, oh, so and so has X amount of home runs or hits or something, you know, like they uh, it, they add pile on with these two extra games. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt it's going to be like that, but. Um, I just remember in 2011 when Matt Kemp um, had what 39 home runs and 40 steals, and they they had a game rained out in Washington that didn't get made up. This is like the inverse of that. You get that extra game to sort of try to get try to get that, but no one's really at that kind of a number. So whatever. But um, so with with that and the other caveat, if it's a wild card game, it's certainly different because um, you're you have the one starter. You you might have like. You basically don't need your other four starters. You might keep one of them in relief, like the Diamondbacks did this last year, where they started uh, Grinky and then they used Robbie Ray because it, that was, game was just intense and um, crazy. Um, so but the point is, you don't need like your four playoff starters all active. So that basically, in my opinion, like the main thing is that means con- congratulations, Tim Locastro, you're on the team <laughs> if they play in a wild card game because they'll use a pinch runner. Um, I would imagine. I think that happened with the Yankees a couple years ago. Rico Noel, I believe, um, was part of that and uh, did something big as a pinch runner. If I, if my memory serves, maybe I'm conflating a couple different things. But um, so we're basically going to focus on, say, uh, an NLDS roster. But just know that if it's a wild card game, it gets a little squirrely, where you 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 wouldn't necessarily need. Um, you know, all, all your starters. So it gives you a little more options. You could carry a ninth reliever uh, or and an extra bench player or two. So it gets kind of nuts. But that's that's sort of where, But so basically what we're going to do is go into the NLDS roster. Do you have any – do you, do you have um, – in your mind, do you have like what your – roughly what your 25-man roster would be? I roughly do. We can – the last couple spots are tough, and I imagine we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. Uh, you have, I see in the notes, 17 players basically locked. Is that correct? Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, math is hard. 22. I wasn't counting the bullpen. Right. I, I think that's a, that's right. And it might even be, you know, uh, we might, uh, a couple of those let's, guys who are locked. Let's call them hard lock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so do you want to go but, over but, those real quick? 
before we get into that, I just want to say in the so just looking back the previous years under um, Dave Roberts and um, Andrew Friedman, um, 2015 was you know with Mattingly, but it was this current current office. Uh, in the 15 LDS, they had 14 uh, position players, 11 pitchers. And then in the 16 LDS, they had 14 and 11. And then every series since then, it's been 13 and 12. So it's that's always the, the issue where are you going to carry – you have one less starter. You don't have – like in a regular – than a regular season. So you're not having a – you're not having five starters. You have four. So and they, if they carry eight relievers, which is sort of how they do it, the, the norm of the season um, – that that gets you to the, the 12 pitchers. So it's always that case of do you need do you really need eight relievers because they kind of paired up and there's off days. So that's always this, an issue. But I you know I think they're probably I think they would lean 13 to 12 um, rather than 14 11. But that's just sort of my opinion. But yeah. Um, so let's get let's gonna do it. I think um, the it's this year's a weird year, man. Like. The, the position players for me are, are basically locked. Like, there's there's 13 that's for sure on, and it's like the guys they've been using. Like, um, I, I you know, they, I broke, they've been basically platooning, um, and I, I broke this down by starts. Like, there's been 23 games through Tuesday, and you basically have Turner and Machado starting every game but one. They got days off. Uh, Kike, of all people, starting the, the next number of games, 18, uh, including seven times against righties, um, five of those were at second base. It's because Brian Dozier's slumping. He's basically become a pure platoon guy. But like, and then Grandal has basically been the as every day of a catcher as you could be. Sixteen starts. Um, then the rest of the team is basically almost a completely strict platoon. There's been a few exceptions, like Brian Dozier, um, two starts versus righties. Otherwise, uh, it's been all lefties. Bellinger. All, basically all against righties except one against lefties. Puig is, has reverse splits, so he's basically been starting against righties. He started twice against lefties. Uh, Chris Taylor has been platooning. Um, he, he started t- twice against a righty, but otherwise all lefties. Jock Peterson, Max Muncy, Matt Kemp um, have all been strict platoons, only starting against opposite hand people. And the, the Dodgers have been sort of – I think part of it is the schedule. They In, in, in September, they, they played 23 games – 11 against lefties, 12 against righties. So that sort of allows them to do that. I think if the schedule is more imbalanced where maybe they play like six lefties or something, they'd probably mix these guys in a little more. But the, given the schedule, it's allowed them to sort of have this sort of almost a line change lineup. And then David Freeze, um, he had one start against a right-hander, and that was uh, a game, I'm trying to think. Um, it was just it was one game. Barnes, is all, all of his starts have been against uh, lefties. And it's not every lefty, but th- that's all absurd. So they, I think, in my opinion, like just by how they've been playing this September, that's those guys are in. Brian Dozier, has hey, been yeah, let's talk about Dozier real quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I that was sorry, I was rambling there for a second, but you know the the one issue has been like, yeah, you know how how long do you stick with Dozier? Um, he is in a uh, four for fifty two slump. <laughs> um, it's just been really bad. Um, he, he mentioned a little bit like middle of the month or maybe the second week of the month where um, 
he said he was having, I think it was a knee thing. I can't remember. Like, he's dealing with something. But it hasn't been to the point where they've sat him. Like, he's played against every lefty. So, like, that's sort of his role now. Like, that's just what he does. And um, he's still playing. So, like, for me, if he was actually injured, they would have been resting him more, in my opinion. So, I think he's going to be on, like, even as bad as he's played. Like, I tried to look into it because there's something, like, where he's been hitting the ball harder, like, relatively, like, sort of. Like, Fangraphs has him as his hard hit rate is, like, the best of the year in September. But he has a 62% ground ball rate. So he's hitting stuff hard on the ground, and that doesn't necessarily lead to hits. So that's why he's part of the reason why he's 452. So it's an issue. But that's also why um, Kiki Hernandez has sort of stepped in and and taken over. He's um, done better against righties than he has previously in his career. So that's why he's getting those starts. But I still think even with the bad slump – uh, Dozier uh, is still going to be on and he's going to start against lefties and then pinch hit otherwise. Um, the other note is besides those 13, like there's certainly guys who could be on, but like, look, just look at September. This is before Tuesday. The only other people to start are Verdugo three times and then Utley twice. Um, Verdugo has had 27 plate appearances in the month, Utley 19. I think they each had one tonight, so add one to that. Uh, other everyone else is like nothing. Like Toll six plate appearances, Farmer five, uh, Rocky Gale one. Um, Tim Locastro hasn't batted, but he's been in nine games as a pinch runner. So that's where we talked about that earlier. Like they don't really have the luxury, I think, of that in the playoffs. So I don't think um, he would make it. Um, I think Utley would be probably the guy they picked if they added a, a, a different guy. But given how they Utley just went on the disabled list for like basically the entire month of August after they made the trades, adding Dozier and Freeze, um, he was kind of the odd man out, and I think that's going to happen again. Unless if they go to 14 position players, at least probably the guy, you can make an argument that Alex Verdugo should probably be on the team over both um, Dozier and Utley, but like I, you understand why they would you know, pick Utley. But I, I still think he's probably going to be on the odd um, – He's going to be the odd man out. Do you, do you have any thoughts on those on the position players? No, as you were talking, I wrote out my 13, and that I had the 12, and then I put Dozier question mark, um, Chase question mark. So, no, that, yeah. that seems pretty straightforward to me. And I, I just want to make a note, like, because there's always, like, oh, man, the biggest complaint, like, just day-to-day stuff in terms of, like, um, just following the team or whatever is – is almost always like lineups and like things like that. And especially when the Dodgers are platooning, it's like, you know, why aren't they uh, playing Muncie more? Why aren't they playing Bellinger more? Why is it Puig playing, you know, that kind of a thing? You know, I, I get it. Like um, you could make, we talked about this a little before, you could make the argument like Muncie should probably start more against the lefties. Puig should probably start more against lefties too. But I sort of get it. The problem with Muncie is now that they have David Freeze and he's actually producing, like he plays first, or, and unless like Turner's getting a day off and he's playing third, there's really no place to play Muncy because he's not good defensively at second, and he, I don't think he could play the outfield. So it's again another thing is if Turner's resting, sure, but other than that, it's really tough to find a defensive spot. And then is he really going to be better than David Freeze against lefties? So I don't know. That's that's sort of the issue they're having there. But I just wanted to point this out since August first. So after this is a couple weeks after they got Machado, it's right after they traded for. Dozier hasn't really been good, but and also David Freeze, but then also some of the other guys who are um, not hitting lefties ahead of time. Like it's, um, 
it's just been working overall. Like, um, so since August 1st, the Dodgers are averaging 5.3 runs a game. Before that, they were 4.7, so they're up there. But it's basically been like this weird um, split. So against righties, um, their uh, their weighted runs created plus is 123. That's tied for first in the majors with the A's. And against lefties, they're 122. Uh, and before they were like, um, I think it was like 90 or 95. Mm-hmm. So they were below they were below average against lefties before, and now they're hitting against both sides because they basically have like set lineups for for both. And now that's second in the majors behind Houston at some crazy number. This is all since August first. So whatever, a grain of salt. But just generally, they have they've basically had the best offense in baseball since August first, and it's been working using this sort of you know, platoon strategy. So not that it's like impenetrable and all this, but that's, that's sort of been like the proof has been in the pudding with that. So I think, I think that's where they're going to go with that. Then we have four starters, which are pretty locked. Um, We talked about this last week, Kershaw, Bueller, Ryu, Hill, probably in that order in terms of how you would order them. What the order actually is depends on wild card and how important the series in San Francisco is and yada, yada, yada. But if you had to set the line, I think the the order would be that order. I think so. And then the only thing with this now is, um, so I can tell you the Dodgers uh, today, Dave Roberts, they basically set the the order for the rest of the season. Um, They're skipping Hill this week. Um, but they're, it's going to be Ryu Friday in San Francisco and then Kershaw Bueller. So in an ideal scenario, you know, even if those are like sort of reduced starts, if they have it clinched or, or something by then, um, Kershaw Bueller are set up to go on regular rest for games one and two of the NLDS, should that be the case. Um, but that said, uh, the one thing about Hyunjin Ryu, like he has like a, he literally has a two ERA on the season. He's been excellent. At Dodger Stadium, his ERA is 115. Five of his nine starts there have been scoreless. You could see a scenario, maybe, where, um, like, say somehow they they not only win the division, but they catch the Braves. Um, and then um, they get to host the Braves in the first two games. So maybe it's Kershaw-Ryu, and then you start Bueller in game three. Uh, maybe. But like if they have if they don't have home field advantage against the Braves, you see probably Kershaw, Bueller, one and two. First game at home is Ryu, and then the reason they um, uh, they're skipping Hill this week, so he's basically if they need a tiebreaker game or a wild card game, it's going to be Hill. It's a little weird, but like whatever, it kind of worked. Like there was some I was thinking um, it was weird because the way they were using Stripling, because we'll, we'll get to him in a second, but like. Um, They've started him. They moved him around um, last uh, series. Um, so he's actually starting the finale of this Arizona series where I thought, like, since he's probably going to be in the bullpen, like, um, I thought they would, like, give him some more bullpen outings before the playoffs. So instead he started three times in a row. It's going to be a fourth. And it's been, they've been all been, like, short outings. So uh, I thought maybe they were sort of maneuvering some way to, like, make him a non bullpen guy, but I, I still can't figure that. Maybe they just trust him so much where he could just go right into it and be fine. Who knows? But that we'll get to that in the bullpen in a second. But that that's basically where they're at with the starters with, with some a little bit of news from today. So that leaves relievers, which is yeah. certainly the, the the boy, there's a lot of huh. 
savagely medium relievers on this team and sorting out who from who uh, can be tough. We, we have some easy ones, right? Kenley's right. I think Kenley Jensen might make the roster. Yeah. He, even like, and as you know, he has slumped and it's all rel- like also relative to him, you know, he's been bad, but like relative to like normal people, like normal relievers, <laughs> yeah. he's still been pretty good. He's given up a lot of homers. That's going to be an issue, whatever. But you, you basically have Jansen, you have Kenta Maeda, you have uh, Scott Alexander, you have mm-hmm. Dylan Floro, and Caleb Ferguson. I think all those five are locks. Um, you know, Ferguson, rookie, like you can you can see where maybe they're hesitant, but man, they've just been putting him in high leverage and situations, including last night, and he's been coming through. He has, um, man, I think it's 47 strikeouts and six walks as a reliever, and his ERA is like 2-3 or something. So Maeda is similar. His ERA, he had a couple bad outings to start uh, when he got to the pen. Like he's down to like 350, and then he's like 25 strikeouts and three walks as a reliever. So like it's just good, really dominant stuff from those two from the right and left side. So I think those five are are basically um, in like the Monday game in Arizona, which was a one run game um, after the top of the seventh, and then they went to Ferguson, Alexander, Maeda, and then Jansen. So and then they went to Floro tonight. Um, I think he actually gave up the go-ahead run, but those are the guys they've been pitching in the, the super high leverage situation. So I think those are the easy five. So that leaves three spots. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is where it's like, if, if they carry an extra position player, it's only two, but I'm assuming for this purposes. And I mean, you know, whatever it could be like, you know, to each their own, I think it's going to be eight relievers. So I'm assuming there's going to be three more guys. So I have, th- I had, uh, I for, for whatever reason was freezing on Floro and I didn't have him on my list. So after you added that, I have three more names on my list. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, who's I, your first name? Um, I think Alex Wood. Mm-hmm. They I, brought him in. Yeah. They brought him in tonight in a situation where, uh, actually, I think I can't. He he cleaned up a little bit of a mess. So he's had four relief outings. Um. So, um, relatively low leverage to this point, but I, you can't. You can only do what you can do. If there's only so much time, you got to get a get him acclimated to it. So I agree. I think he's in. Um, and then my my other my second sort of guy in that was is Stripling. Even though as we talked about, like I think he's still in. Like they they just want him there somehow, some way. So we're basically down to like this final spot for like. A multitude of guys, and I have I have a name. <laughs> it's not the name I thought it would be three months ago, four months ago. Now, can can we save it if I if it's the one I, who I think it is? Let's yeah. save it till the end. Okay, okay, because because I, I just want to go through this. I, sure, I sure, have sure. like go a bunch it. of notes. So I have it written oh, down. I won't lie to you. Before the um, and I trust you. Before the the sort of the the true candidates, just the let's just go through the injured guys. So they literally just acti- <laughs> sure. activated. JT Chagua on Monday. So um, he hasn't pitched since August 20th. He didn't have a rehab assignment because he was rehabbing in Arizona. He hasn't pitched since they brought him up. He's out. I mean, they just brought him up, I think, to get him back in the majors this year, maybe, or just join the team. They literally have all 40 guys. It's funny, at the beginning of September, Dave Roberts said, I, you know, it, was, it got a little crowded last year. I don't think we'll get to 40. They have 40. So, um, But it makes sense. Like, why would you not have – you know, it's it, the rules allow it. And if you can you imagine like going having a game, they've almost had this where they run out of guys, even in September. 
not that you run out of everyone, but like, can you imagine losing a game because you don't have an extra guy in September? That's crazy. So if the rules are there, why not use it? But um, that said, uh, Yimmy Garcia was the uh, last week, I think the day we recorded, they activated Singrani, Axford, and Yimmy Garcia. Um, Singrani is the one of these guys who has like the most sort of um, cachet. Um, he because he was the, their best reliever probably um, in the beginning of the season, but he's just had too much like shoulder stuff, and he's only pitched in two games since he's come back. Um, I think he has to show a lot, man. If they if they pitch him like two games down this week, but I think that would even be an upset. So I, I think he's on the outside looking in for me. Same with John Axford, who um, who had a he fractured his tibia, and he's back. Um, He's, he's pitched in two games. He had like a, a sort of a bad luck. He gave up a couple runs. He gave up a sort of a booming double off the wall. He hasn't struck anybody out yet. He's only faced five batters in his two games back. But um, he had like this, like three basically infield dribblers that were all two hits in an error. It was bad. And then he got, he should have gotten at least two outs out of it and only got three or didn't get any. Um, Yemi, just not, it's not going to happen. Um, he hasn't pitched in anything leverage-wise. Um, he's allowed a run in eight of his last nine appearances, dating back to, like, June. So I think he's just there to be there. Um, so, yeah, so that leaves us, I think, um, six candidates um, <laughs> for the final spot. <laughs> Um, and we talked about Axford. He was one of the guys they got on July 31st. The guy they got on August 31st was Ryan Madsen. Um who has like probably the best pedigree of any of these guys um, that are left. Uh, he's pitched in seven games. I, you you kind of learn a lot just by going how, how they use these guys like in, in the final month, because these games have mattered for the first time um, in six years, the Dodgers have been, have had days in September where they were not in first place. Like in, even with all the hardship, because they've overcome like some deficits, man, like 2013, they were down, a lot and then they came back i think they've had deficits of like eight games in like four of the six years or something including this year they were eight and a half out but usually by september it was put to bed not put to bed but like they were in first and in the driver's seat so like any of those first five divisions from 2013 2017 never in september were they out of first place that's (laughs) kind of crazy to think about this year 13 days in september they were not in first place so They've actually been like in the mud, you know, trying to get this working. And so, like, every game matters, like, you know, more so than, say, usual. Um, and so, Madsen, he had a super high leverage outing his um, uh, his first uh, appearance. Since then, it's been like really like medium leverage. Not, and he hasn't been terribly good. He's given up six runs. He has 10 strikeouts and a walk, but six runs in like six innings. So, it's been bad. Like, you know, I think he's. I don't think he's going to make it, but he's definitely a candidate because he has. You know, he could be the veteran, wily veteran that gets on. If the Dodgers want another lefty, because you know, to me, like Ferguson is just a reliever. He's not. A, he's not a lefty specialist. Wood might be the closest thing to a lefty specialist in that group. Alexander's a sinker guy who can get either side out, so he's not a lefty specialist. So, if they want a true lefty specialist, Zach Roscoe is probably the guy. Um, his the his, what he has going for him is. Um, uh, three for 21, by the way, we're not that we're, um, you know, talking about disseminating live information, but let's just say that that lead might not be down to a half a game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah, anyway, um, let's just say, I'll just say a a certain game might be CT three to three. (laughs) Uh, 
anyway, um, Zach Roscoff against the lefties in September. No, actually, all year with the Dodgers, three for twenty-one. He's he was hurt the first like three months of the year, so that's why it's limited. Just in general, he's been good against righties. Overall, 19 strikeouts, two walks, the good, the bad, three home runs. So you sort of live and die with him. So, But that's sort of the life of a lefty specialist, right? And like, so the other guy um, who, you know, everybody's favorite, Pedro Baez. So the one thing with him, um, seven appearances in September, five of them have been like good leverage. So he's still getting into close games. the one good thing about this, so he allowed on August 9th, uh, this was a while ago, four runs in that game. It was a bad game. Since then, 15 appearances, one run, 16 walks, three or 16 strikeouts, three walks. He's been pretty good on the season. He's he's been really good against righties. Um, 43 strikeouts, seven walks. Um, you know, against lefties, they've actually not hit him very well, 169, but he has 14 walks against 16 strikeouts, so he's super wild. And it's Pedro Baez, so it's going to be a meltdown if he gets into a close game. So <laughs> you can see, you can see why they would want to steer clear of him, but like he's he's certainly a candidate, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's on it. So um, I will say this, and then uh, the other guy, uh, I, this probably should have. Uh, he's been back for a while, so that's why I didn't lump him in with the injured guys. But Josh Fields, sure. Um, his uh, he's pitched in seven games. He's only allowed a run in September, but all these games have been not not literally zero leverage. We'll get to a guy who's had literally zero leverage, but um, his his best like closest game was down four in the seventh when he pitched. So he's not pitching at all in important games. So the the like the wild card in this is Pat Venditti. Um, who, you know, he's not, he's not a gimmick, right? He's, he's yeah. legitimate, like yeah, throws with his right and left hands. He's, he's pitched seven times. The one, t- the, the only downside, he's really hasn't pitched in leverage either. The one time he had decent leverage was Sunday in St. Louis when they were going for the sweep, but they were down three in the fourth and Alex Wood did not have a good start. I think it was Alex Wood. Um, and so they brought him in with two on and two out in the fourth down three. That was his highest leverage situation. So not he hasn't been pitching in the closest of games. So I don't think he's someone they trust with like um you know an important situation. So the one thing I'll say he's pitched well. Um, six and two thirds innings in September, two hits and a walk, only two strikeouts. The uh, BABIP is one hundred five. So I get it. He's more effective I think against lefties. They're six for thirty one against him with the Dodgers. That's one ninety four. Um, I think they – I don't remember – I don't have what the extra base is. His, the slugging is 323, so maybe it was a double or two doubles or something. But um, six six strikeouts, no walks. So that's decent. I I don't think he's going to make it. Um, of those guys, it's probably for me. It's between Baez and Roscup. Um, but and just sort of giving you the lay of the land of these guys, uh, I talked about leverage. Baseball reference has a leverage index. Um, generally, like if it's one – um, it's average, and anything above one is is high leverage, like say a closer. Anything below one is like you know minimal leverage, like you're down three, down four, whatever. Um, Kenley Jansen closer this year, his average leverage is one point six. Uh, Dylan Floro and uh, and Scott Alexander are like one point three five ish. So they're they're decent leverage. So of these guys in September, I know there's a lot of this a lot of numbers to talk here, but uh, Baez was 0.98, so he's basically average leverage in September. Matson, his average what is 
0.71, but that was skewed by a super high debut. Since then, he's only 0.36. Still, probably, you know, veteran cash day, not going to rule him out. Zach Roscoe, 0.33, but more of a lefty specialist. Venditti, 0.27. Josh Fields, almost comical, 0.09. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really hard to do. However, the final candidate, who I'm sure, I, I'm guessing is the guy you had written down, mm. um, is, is someone who has pitched two games, and he has pitched in literally zero leverage, 0. 0.00. Um, but l- l- just before we, I get into it, let's, Let's reveal who who is the name you it's wrote down. Not who you thought. Oh, did you I write have, down Pedro Baez? I have Pedro Baez written down. That's why you perked up when I said that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it is like it right. is the one the only Julio Urias. Um, I completely un- like. I've been downplaying Urias all year. You right? have like it, like he <laughs> Which he's coming back from the roster. You are right. the Eric Stephen blessing. <laughs> so. Look, he's coming back from shoulder surgery. It's not realistic to expect any kind of impact this year, whatever. He's pitched in two games since he came back, a week apart, like eight days apart. Um, one one game they were ahead 13, the other game where they were ahead 14. <laughs> so, <laughs> However, that being said, look, look listen, the, the, I just mentioned all these guys. Pedro Baez, Zach Roscup, Ryan Madsen, Pat Venditti, Josh Fields, um, Come on, really? You're gonna you're gonna go to war for these guys? <laughs> Look, the, the reason why is because it's Julio freaking Urias, and even though he is just back from shoulder surgery, even though the games have been meaningless and the appearance, it's been more like, hey, look at this, he's back on the mound. That's great, which is probably the case. However, you can understand why someone would get excited. He's faced ten batters. He struck five of them out. Uh, he's allowed one single. He threw a, a pitch the other day on Sunday that was 97 miles an hour. It's the fastest pitch he's ever thrown. Um, he looked great. Um, these games don't matter. That's you just have to keep telling yourself that. If the other the other thing that's going against Urias um, and Justin Nosso, I mentioned, and I'm going to link to this in the show notes. He had a good sort of breakdown of this today. Is that uh, he is not your normal reliever. He's not going to be a guy. Um, who is like available in back-to-back days or like two times in three days or something like that. So he's having him on the roster is like a weird thing. Like you have to sort of manage around it. So um, if you look, he pitched 10 games in the minors, including the minor league playoffs. So um, his uh, just run through after this, after a game with Rancho here, here are the days of rest in between his relief appearances, which were short three days rest. And then two, Two days rest, two days rest. So it's three in a row with two, and then five days rest before his major league appearance, and then seven days of rest before his next game. But he went two innings in the last game. So I think if Julio Urias is on, and, and to be honest, like I don't think he's going to make it. I don't think he's going to be on. However, I could I could see a scenario where they're just like, you know what, F it. He's the best arm we have. It's not going to be like you're talking about a role who probably won't, who would probably not pitch. Like last year, they turned to Josh Fields and Brandon McCarthy late in the game two of the World Series because they were out of pitchers. So, wouldn't you rather go, hey, look who we have down there, you know, Julio Urias, right? <laughs> so, that's the argument for Julio Urias. That said, but he, given that he can't really go two days in a row, he's for me still, I think I mentioned this before, he's a piggyback guy. So, if they're adamant again with Rich Hill or, or even Ryu, maybe to a lesser extent or whatever, 
that someone's going to not face a guy a third time through the lineup. And so Rich Hill's going to basically be like a, almost a four-inning starter. Let's say Rich Hill's through like four and a third, and he's fa- he gets to 18 batters. You don't want to bring Urias in in the middle of an inning. I get it. So you bring in one guy to finish the fifth, and then you basically have Urias for two, and then gets like three days off before he's ready again or whatever. Um, and so that's sort of the role. If he's on, I think that's his role. But um, or if a game goes into extras or whatever, I mean. But I think that's what they're looking at. But that said, it, like I said, it's really hard to judge. Um, like you said, it's you're like, look, these games don't don't matter. But man, he looks so awesome. Like, and it's it's more. First of all, it's great. I think going forward because you you're looking up to next year. Like, what a great way to go out this season. That's the other thing. Maybe you want to just leave him now. And say, like, look, you got back to the majors this year. That's great. Now let's get ready for next season, which is perfectly reasonable because he's a long-term starter, you know, whatever. But that said, right now, he's he might be one of their best arms to be in the bullpen. So that's sort of the dilemma here. I I start I think I agree with you that maybe Baez is the guy, or it's maybe Roscup if they want to do a lefty. To be clear, I am making a prediction, not not if I had the Oh, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think I would be swayed. By Urias and just say, you know what, Ethan, we're taking the best arm, and we're gonna, we're still gonna protect him. We're not gonna, you know, overly use him. Um, we're gonna do what's right. But I, I think I'd be tempted to put him on. I don't think it's gonna happen. But man, I, I, I completely understand the temptation. Well, uh, we're running a little long, but we still have five questions from Craig. Yeah, so let's get uh, go ahead. Boom. For question the first is for me. Uh, electric scooter usage seems closer to my age range, correct? So what's your thoughts on them, and would you use one in my Midwest travels? They are everywhere in Kansas City. I can walk half a block, not even. I can cross the street and get, there's three uh, right across from where I live in Kansas City. Uh, you know, I'd use them. The same idea, but with bicycles instead of um, scooters is everywhere when I was in Shanghai. Uh, over the winter, so I like the idea of you know my the biggest issue I have taking my bike uh, on a commuter level is finding a place to park it and not worry about it getting stolen or abused. So having to not worry about that seems nice. So I vaguely like the idea. I think it's going to take. There's going to be some growing pains where they're everywhere and they're making the city dirty and all of that. But now these are the ones that are like just available downtown and you just use some sort of. I I, I saw these in San Diego. Um, uh, when I was in April, I guess I'm not really in a, a, that urban of a setting. So I don't, they're not around like West Covina or whatever, but, uh, how do they work? Like, cause I, I like you the have, idea. You have an app, you go up to them. The app has like a 3d barcode. Oh, you scan the gotcha. 3d barcode, it unlocks it. You use it. It charges you some nominal amount. And then when you're done with it, you just leave it wherever you're at. It's pretty convenient. I mean, honestly, like I saw, um, people using them around downtown, um, San Diego. And in fact, I, I even saw Clayton Kershaw on one, uh, going to <laughs> one of the games. It was kind of funny. Uh, so, uh, I just saw a picture. That'd been great. <laughs> yeah. And so, man, but it was like, uh, I, I like, it. I, I think it's a good idea. I, I, it, it is it, weird to me that there's not like a, like a station to put them at. <laughs> we could just leave them on the sidewalk or whatever, but whatever, that kind of works. I think, uh, spent, and I think uh, that's so... the appeal because the bike programs that have stations have been around for a while, but the issue is you have to go to a station. Whereas here you can literally just go exactly where you want to go. So there's some, yeah. like I said, growing pains that go with that. But I think, I think in general, uh, it's a idea that works great in an urban environment. And I'm excited to see if they can work out those issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say, 
you know, you could either instead of say walking off, you mm-hmm. could you could scooter home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that sounds and, great. Yeah, and uh, I agree. Um, but yeah, I've never used one just mostly because of my proximity to them. But yeah, it's a great idea. I love it. Second question: uh, Shohei Otani is having a rookie year that is hard to believe. He's basically rookie of the year, Ryan Howard, plus Danny Saladar's rookie pitcher season. Would you bring him back as a pitcher when he's healthy, or just decide to play him as a DH from now on? What do you think? Uh, I I I think you can't just abandon him as a pitcher. I think it seems like it's too much talent to waste. Uh, to, so you, I agree. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly next season. Maybe maybe down the line you have to make that call, but. Uh, and you know, you, yes, <laughs> at least like it sounds like he's gonna have um Tommy John surgery, so let let him have that, see if he can recover from that, see where he is after you know, season of, of post Tommy John pitching, and from there you can make a determination. But it, and, exciting, and I will say the new as uh, the only thing I was gonna say is the early reports when him coming in was like, man, he might not be able to hack it as a hitter. Um, so it's exciting that at least after right. one year, like that's not, it doesn't look like that's true. And he has a bright future on, on at least one of the side of the side of the coin. He's so good. Like, I, I think I agree with you. I think you let him ride both. And as long as he wants to do both, you let him do both if he can. So uh, that's sort of um, where I'm at with that. I will say the news today. Um, there was, you know, he was certainly recommended to have surgery today. He decided, um, or after consultation, the angels announced he's going to have the surgery next week. So he's having the surgery. So he's not going to pitch next year. He'll probably be able to hit at some point. Um, so, but going forward, once he's back, I think you still have to let him do both. And I, it's exciting. I think he's he's one of the best pitchers when he's pitching, and he's one of the best hitters when he's hitting. And that's how often do you see that ever? So I think he's a unique. You let you let someone that unique be who they are, and I, I agree. I think you just let him run. Third question is definitely, uh, I think maybe geared toward you, at least the prefaces. Outside of an Eddie Murray bobblehead that said real National League batting champion, is there any moment or player you'd like to see memorialized in a giveaway? Oh, man. Um, so, okay. <laughs> uh, outside of the Eddie Murray thing, which would be awesome. But um, I think it would be... <laughs> Pedro Guerrero throwing his glove down when Jack Clark hit the home run in the 85 NLCS. <laughs> like it's a, such a bad moment, but like the Guerrero's reaction was so pure and so mad. <laughs> like, I think that'd be kind of funny if he just has the glove like over his head, like he's about to throw it like down, just slam it into the ground. Uh, that would be one thing. Um, another moment. Um, oh man. Yeah, none. This is bad. I should have thought of this ahead of time. I guess I can't really think of one uh, that comes to mind. The, yeah, um, I don't think they ever made this one. Like I, since I moved, I haven't been keeping too close to, to giveaways. But the uh, Uribe home run, the Jazz hands that every oh, <laughs> just, man, just Jazz get... hands, <laughs> right? Like just that. So I don't. Oh man, I, I don't, don't think they think did. They did. Now let's say we we mentioned this like if say the Dodgers do happen to win the division and if they play the Braves in the NLDS that would be a perfect uh, Dodgers Braves <laughs> NLDS giveaway have a Juan Uribe like Jazz hands home run so uh, yeah I, I I agree with that which is the most likely World Series matchup and the least likely World Series matchup if neither of our choices includes the Dodgers uh, and do those versions now. Yes. It's how you can't. It has to be the Red Sox out of the AL for most likely, no matter what, right? 
Um, the problem is, like, <laughs> I don't, like, I think you could argue the Astros are, like, fundamentally better. They don't have, certainly don't have the better record. They just won their 100th game tonight, though, so they're not that far off. And so they certainly match up well. They have the top-heavy starting staff. They have the great offense. Red Sox are probably good and probably the favorites. Um, yeah, but then, just then they all most favorite. I'm not saying they're mortal lock or anything like but, that. But but they also have to face like the A's have been like great since like uh, like middle of May, um, and then the Yankees. If they're one of those two are going to be the wild card winner, um, the Yankees are like on par with with Boston, in my opinion, if they're all healthy. But that said, they have some pitching issues. So Red Sox are certainly here. I think for me, it's it's Red Sox or Astros. Um, Red Sox are going to have home field. So I, I would agree with you. Red Sox are most likely. So I would probably still go with them, although I'm tempted to say the Astros get back. Um, and then I think – but the problem – those the Dodgers, right? Like They should – they are, I think, the favorites in, like, Vegas and stuff. But – like you, you have to get in, like so. And that's certainly not not um, decided yet. So like, if they get in, it's probably them. And the Cubs are like they're they're literally both a half a game up in their division right now. With certainly, it's not like a huge fallback, but um, wild card's possible, but it's not like guaranteed. So uh, Cubs have a better position in that regard. They have like uh, three more wins than the Dodgers. So um, it's an issue. Um, right now. So I think, uh, yeah, I would probably say like, oh man, probably Dodgers, Red Sox, but since, uh, otherwise like, man, maybe Cubs, Red Sox sounds weird, but so if it's not Dodgers, you know what? I have, I'm switching it for what it's worth. I, I'm going to, uh, I think I would, I'm going to go back. I'm going to change it. I'm going to go – I'll go Cubs-Astros. I think the Dodgers are if they get in, but otherwise Cubs-Astros. Least likely. Oh. Um, as good as Oakland's played, I don't know. Like, they're better than Cleveland, and the Cleveland yeah. has played the Astros. Rockies-Cleveland so. is my, my vote. Rockies-Cleveland. Um, maybe maybe Cardinals-Indians. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so again, one one team NL team is going to be on the outside looking. In. The the five AL teams are set. They we and it's not quite set. Like there's a chance A's could still win the division, but probably not. Last question: The Dodgers have six players who scored sixty or more runs. Uh, Kike has fifty nine. Turner and Puig each have fifty eight. Uh, the final question is: How many Dodgers end up scoring sixty? If you were wondering, I have it pulled up. The next one after the ones he listed is at like thirty four. Manny Machado. Who likes thirty five after tonight? No, you just oh, 30, I just see. 34, just thirty four. Um, well, didn't he mention uh, someone was fifty eight, someone was fifty seven? Uh, Is that right? Two at fifty eight, Turner and Puig, and then one at fifty nine, Kike. And Kike okay, scored so, it, so he just hit. 60. He he scored at sixtieth, yeah. So so what was that would make eight if those nine, other nine two total. get it? It's yeah, they oh. have they have six right now, and then three more on the fringes, but then no one after that. So. Let's just go full nine. Let's let's say turn and Big each get two. I, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I would go nine. Um, and that's it. A little long episode, but we got will, through it. I will say this. Uh, just since you mentioned run scored, and I was looking something up today and sort of stumbled across this, and I went to just do some more research. So uh, the Dodgers uh, coming into Monday, it's probably a little different after Monday, or after coming into Tuesday, excuse me. 
they led the National League in in offense, run scored, and they had a 23-run lead on the Cardinals, and I think they didn't surrender a ton of that. So, uh, and and they also lead the, the first. They haven't led the league in in offense in runs scored since 1978. So that's a thing. Like that's major. We talked about all these guys with runs scored, um, but then also they have a 29-run lead on uh, allowing the fewest runs. So with the Cubs behind them, so. Uh, they they had they also led the league in, in runs allowed in 1978. So it's been 40 years for them since 1978. Um, can you guess how many major league teams led their league? So like American League team or National League team uh, led the league in both runs scored and fewest runs allowed. You want a number? Yeah, just how many teams? I will I will give you it. No, I won't give you it. Just I want to know your first answer. Seven, 40 years math, yeah 40 years so that's 80 po- out of 80 possible league yep. 78 possible because before this year sure sure um let's go seven you are really close okay <laughs> it's five okay it's five so uh 84 tigers they won the world series 86 or 88 mets they lost to the dodgers um 98 yankees they won the world series and they won 114 games the 2001 Mariners, they didn't win the World Series, but they won 116 games. And the 2004 Cardinals, who lost the World Series. All five of those teams won 100, uh, at least 100 games. So it's a great thing when you lead your league in runs scored and runs and fewest runs allowed. Uh, but as we speak, um, the, uh, the Dodgers are um, – 88 and 70. So the most wins they could have is 92. And that's by winning their last four games. So it's been a weird year, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, so that's where they're at. Uh, this will be published probably by the time their, their next game is played. So they're going to have three games left. They're either going to be up a half a game, up a game and a half or down a half a game by Thursday. The Rockies do play on Thursday. So that half game is going to go away. It's going down to the wire folks. So, um, we'll have more, and no, we didn't jinx anything by having a, a talk about playoff <laughs> roster. We're, we're just planning ahead, but thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, not a here's what went wrong. Episode. Yeah, right. You're <laughs> looking ahead to 2019, no, but so next week probably have important stuff to talk about. We'll see. But thanks for listening, everybody. We'll we'll see that. We'll see you then.